This is another message from Glory City Church by Pastor Catherine Renala. For more information, go to glorycitychurch.com.au. Thank you, Jesus. He is faithful. Hallelujah. Are you happy? Well, if you're not, that's okay. God knows and he understands and he knows how to help you. That's the good news. He knows exactly where we're at and he knows what's going on. And, uh, you know, that's what I love about our God is he, he meets you right where you are. You don't have to try and be somebody. You don't have to be in a right state to meet with God. All you have to do is have faith that he's happy to see you that you can approach him boldly because of the blood of the lamb. And, uh, you know, as you approach him, he is your friend. He is for you. And he, he wants to be your helper in whatever situation is going on right now. And, you know, I just, uh, as I was praying this afternoon, I wanted to encourage you. Um, I was looking again at the story of Hannah because I really believe that there are people here. We are, about, we are entering into what I believe is a birthing. And we are birthing, I believe, the purposes of God. It's happening corporately. It's happening nationally. It's happening, uh, but it's also happening individually. Look who is this coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on the arm of her beloved. Hallelujah. Me. Hallelujah. And I believe the whole of uh, the nation, actually, we're coming into a, a brand new season. But I was just reading and thinking again about Hannah today because of this sense of birthing. And I've shared on this passage before, but I really believe the Lord wants to speak to us through this tonight. Hallelujah. And then we're going to start to pray for people. We're just going to go for it as the Holy Spirit leads. Hallelujah. It says here, um, <laughs> it's a story of Hannah. And Hannah had a promise. She had, she had a desire. She didn't actually have a technical promise. She had a desire in her heart to have children. She believed that as a wife, it was her God-given right to be able to have a child because she believed that the will of God was that she would prosper, that she would, would have family. But she didn't have any children, and it had been years and years. And her darling husband was married to two wives. I don't think I would cope very well if my husband were married to two wives. Um, praise the Lord. I quite like having him all to myself. But Hannah was in the predicament there. There was another wife. And this other wife had lots of children. And Hannah, you know, um, year after year after year failed to get pregnant. And it says, the scripture tells us that the other wife, Peninus, was just nasty. She would rub it in. And, you know, often people can do that, sometimes deliberately, sometimes thinking they're being well-meaning, they're, they're a bit like Job's friends, uh, trying to figure it out for you, or circumstances can mock you. You know, people can come along and say, well, this bad thing's happened to you. It must maybe, maybe it's something you've done. Maybe we just need to look into what you've done. Maybe there's somebody you haven't forgiven. Maybe there's, some, maybe there's a door. There's got to be a door for that bad thing to have happened to you. Have you ever heard this sort of argument? Oh, look, I think you're cursed. 
That's the sort of thing Penina would say to her. She'd say, yeah, you're cursed. And, uh, because that's what they believed as if you were barren. And, you know, people can be nasty. They can kick you when you're down. I've been in situations where well-meaning Christians have been just like Job's friends, where they've come along, they've tried to figure it out. Well, it's probably because of this, or maybe it's because of this. But, you know, I believe Hannah went through three tests before she saw the fulfillment of her promise come to pass. And one of these tests was to be deliberate to not lose focus when circumstances and people were trying to tell her there's something wrong with you that this isn't happening. There's, you, you must be cursed. And, and not getting into the, uh, the, the flesh and blood flight, fight that we can often get into or not even buying into the lies that get thrown at us. You know, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him from them all. Hallelujah. Sometimes bad stuff happens, but we have hope. Hallelujah. That in all things, he makes all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The enemy will have a shot, but I can tell you, God makes it all work for good. Hallelujah. We got to be careful. Like when that man, uh, Jesus saw the man who was born blind. The disciples were like, ah, oh, well, you know, he must be cursed. Who sinned? Somebody sinned that he was born blind. Surely, you know, was it his mother? Maybe it was his father. Maybe he sinned while he was still in the womb. Seriously, this is, they were coming up with these ideas. Some of the ideas we come up with these days to try and figure out what's wrong with people are as ridiculous as that. I've got a couple of little amens. You know, we, we sometimes prefer to try and figure out why something's happening because we aren't willing to put our faith out there and understand who God wants to be in the situation. You know, we're not called to ask why God, why? We're called to ask, who do you want to be to me in this situation? Hallelujah. When Jesus was asked who sinned that this man was born blind, he said, none of them. It's because I'm going to heal him. And you know, that's Jesus' response still today. If something bad happens to you, rather than go to him and say, what did I do? Where did I let the enemy in? Why is this bad thing happening to me? Go to him and say, who are are you? Who are you, God? You are my healer. You are my redeemer. You are my provider. You are, you've got to look to the one who is who. We're not, we're not to be caught up on the question of why. We've got to ask the right question. Hallelujah. Who? Who does God want to be in this situation? And that was a test I believe Hannah had to go through where she was tempted to get into the, uh, oh, what's wrong with me? Why am I barren? Why, why after all this time, maybe I'm not doing something. What am I not praying? What am I not doing? What should I, oh, what didn't I do? Well, maybe what I did as a child, you know, maybe it's a generational curse, da, 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 da. Now, I'm not belittling uh, the importance, I believe, of just being open to the Lord and dealing with whatever he says comes. But I believe it's very important that we don't get our focus and our eyes on trying to figure stuff out. But instead, we keep things simple. You know, Paul said this, I have determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. You know, the simplicity of the gospel is powerful. I, I embrace, I love Sozo, I love all sorts of good ministry. It's a wonderful thing. So long as the end result 
is looking at who Jesus is. Hallelujah. Because Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. You can have all the questions and you can take as much time as you like to ask as many questions as you want to. But if you would begin to say who and look to the answer, that's when the breakthrough comes. Amen. You're very quiet, but you could help me with this. So Hannah, I believe, had to get through that test of, of not buying into an, an, the agreement that ah, there must be something wrong with me, that this bad thing's happening or that I haven't seen the fulfillment. You know, I believe God wants us to humble ourselves and fix our eyes like flint on him who is the answer, him who is the promise. Hallelujah. Knowing that he is the author and finisher of our faith. The enemy loves to come in and say, did God say? And in the time between when you've got the promise and you see the fulfillment, the enemy is taking lots of opportunity to come and say, did God really say? We've got to be deliberate to say, no, this is what I believe. Christ and him crucified. This is what the word of God says. This is what I will hold on to. This is what I build my life on. I build my life on the rock who is Jesus Christ. I look at his life. He was always the answer to everyone who came to him for help. He always is the answer. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Hallelujah. So we've got to be careful to recognize this stuff. There is a battle that goes on. You can't just be passive in the Christian life. There is a war going on and it's for your mind. The enemy is out to deceive you. But I tell you, if you hold fast to the truth, you keep your eyes fixed on the one who is the the way, the truth, the life, the one who is our hope. Hallelujah. Uh, He will bring you through. She went through a second test. Um, Because after a while of just holding on, believing, pushing through and ignoring all the the tormenting and the the taunting from um, Penina, her husband comes along and he says in verse 8, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? And I think he was trying to be nice. He was, trying, he was trying to say, honey, I see every year you being disappointed. Why don't you just settle for the fact that, hey, I really love you. I give you a double portion every year. You're my favorite wife. And it sounded so loving, but it's a voice of compromise. And I believe it's a picture of, of a test that we all go through when we are birthing the promises of God to settle that that temptation to settle for what we've got you know I believe it's important to be content in all things but the Bible also says eagerly desire the greater gifts he says fix your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith and I believe that the Lord is looking for us to be continually pressing in for more he says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness you know I believe if you can prophesy you as I shared on Sunday You shouldn't settle for, oh, well, that's good. I've got that gift. I'll use it. You should press in for more. When God starts dropping divine desires in your heart. So, for example, next week, when you hear some of the prophets prophesying, I mean, they're astounding. They come out with birthdays and and, um, anniversaries and spouses' names. And, you know, 
when you, when you start hearing those and you feel a desire in your heart to think, I would like to do that, recognize it's a divine invitation for God saying, press in for more. I shared on Sunday that years ago, um, I heard about Heidi Baker and that she'd go into um, the villages in Africa and call for the deaf. And, um, and then she'd see deaf ears open and then preach the gospel. And I thought, that's so cool. And I had a desire in my heart to do that. And so I took that d- desire as something God put in my heart. You know, the Bible says that he gives us the desires of our heart. Because it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. I don't even have to try and figure out, is that okay? Is that all right to have that desire? Am I ambitious? Am I? It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And Christ in me wants to be big. Hallelujah. Of course he wants to heal the sick. Of course he wants to open deaf ears. Of course he wants to raise the dead. He in you wants to dream more than you've ever imagined. God in you is waiting to be glorified. And so when God puts a desire in your heart to prophesy with power or raise the dead or see limbs grow out, rather than slap yourself and say, oh, you're ambitious or you're this or you're that, you need to recognize, hang on, that's Jesus in me wanting me to respond and say, be it unto me according to your word. When Esther released the word about creative miracles, I'm like, yes, I might take it. That's a divine invitation. I want more, God. I want more. And uh, yeah, I just shared on Sunday um, when I was in Korea a couple of weeks ago, one of the ladies we prayed for, she'd had her eardrum badly damaged when she was about six, and she hadn't heard out of that ear for 40 years. God opened up her eardrum. She went back to the doctor, and he's confirmed she has a perfectly formed eardrum. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, you know, I've seen so many deaf ears open now. It seems that everywhere I go, I just call for the deaf. That's what I did um, just recently in Nicaragua. We had a big um, conference with 2,000 women. So I I don't even ask for a word of knowledge about it anymore. I just ask, is there anybody here who's got a completely deaf ear? Um, Please come. And I know God will open them because I know he does. He's done it so many times before. And he does. Bang, they pop open. We speak in the deaf ear. Everybody goes, wow, God's amazing because it's so clear. You either can hear or you can't. Hallelujah. And then miracles just start popping. We saw um, a big tumor on a lady's uh, throat disappear, all without hands even being laid on after they recognized the power of God. And I say all of that to say, There are divine invitations hanging in the air for many of you that you haven't actually recognized. That God is waiting for you to say, yes, I want more. I want to see that happen. I want, because God wants his glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And that's not going to happen just through one or two people. That was going to happen through his glorious bride rising up and actually believing who they're created to be. If we believe it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us, what right do we have to settle for ordinary? Seriously, if they're in this glorious awakening, the message of freedom and grace, uh, praise the Lord, by grace I've been saved through faith. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I reckon myself dead and alive to Christ. Hallelujah. As he is, so am I in this world. Give me a wave if you believe that. Wonderful. Well, if that's the case, what do you expect your life is going to look like? If it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you, 
we must be determined not to settle. We've got to recognize that the Spirit of God is yearning within you to manifest the power, the nature, the, the, the character of Christ. And Christ is the healer. Hallelujah. Christ is full of power. He is glorious. He is love. And Christ in us wants to touch the world around us. Hallelujah. If you're not dreaming big dreams, I'd suggest perhaps this subtle voice of compromise has tried to, to limit you or put you in a box. Often he'll come and he'll, he'll try and even use religious ideas to make it sound like you shouldn't be dreaming too big. He'll, he'll say, oh, you know, you need to not you know, be dreaming too big because that's very proud. I'd like to say to you, it's not about you at all. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. You've got to turn around and say to the enemy, who are you talking to? I have the motives of Christ because I reckon myself dead. The just shall live by faith. If you're going to live by faith, you've got to actually believe that what's happened has happened. If this has actually happened today, I reckon myself dead. Thank you, Jesus, because we do that. We remind ourselves. I reckon myself dead. I do this in the mornings. I reckon myself dead, alive to Christ. I remind myself of what I look like. It's no longer Catherine who lives, but Christ who lives in Catherine. <laughs> so believing that, what do I expect when I touch people? What do I expect when I talk to people? I believe in this divine awakening. Hear me, this is the Holy Ghost who's speaking right now. When the Spirit of God begins to help you actually see the hope of who is living on the inside of you, you will begin to dream differently. Christ in you is the hope of glory. We pray that prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, that we'd have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened in the knowledge of him. Why? so that we may know the hope of our calling. Because as he is, so are we in this world. In knowing him, we recognize who we are. Hallelujah. We recognize the riches of his, his glorious inheritance in us. God is so excited about him in you, you being on the earth, clothed with his power, joined to him, one with him, that he said it's better that he goes away because the Holy Spirit in you is going to do greater works than even Jesus did. This is his inheritance in you. God's excited about this. And if we buy into the lies of the enemy that try to limit uh, God in us, dreaming to be the inheritance he called us to be for the earth, for his glory, then we are buying into a lie. God wants us to be deliberate to press in for more. Now, if you've, if you've seen some sick people healed, I want you to start pressing for more. I want you to start believing, start dreaming about what it's going to look like to see the limbs grow out. I read about it in, in the accounts of Maria Woodworth Edda. You know, you can, read, um, you can read newspaper reports where the newspapers, secular newspapers will report how a man who had his leg chopped off from a, uh, a logging accident had a bone grow out and then muscle and then sinews and skin. Hallelujah. I mean, that's cool. I want more. I want more. And I believe God in you wants a whole lot more. 
if we've got this many people in the room who actually believe it's no longer they who live, but Christ who lives in them, what could that look like? What could that look like for every person that you meet? I believe in this divine awakening. God is taking off the blinders. I, I'm telling you, the season has, uh, as of our winter of covering up because we're just trying to survive, is go over and gone. Hallelujah. We're throwing off the grave clothes and it's time to arise and shine. Hallelujah. Without fear, without shame and unashamedly say, I believe the portion of the Lord that he has for me. Hallelujah. And then she went through one final test. She was interceding, crying out before God at the temple. And the, the priest comes along and he goes, yeah, woman, you're drunk. Go home. And he completely misunderstood her. You know, sometimes there are manifestations, there are things going on in people's lives that you can judge from an outside perspective and think, oh, you're just mad, you're crazy, you're drunk, you're just behaving, you're just in the flesh. Be very careful. Because we don't know what's going on. Hallelujah. You talk to some people who, who, who may, you know, they may be deeply travailing. They may be laughing. They may, whatever is going on, you don't know. And I, I want to encourage you, be careful that you don't become one of these ones that, that are actually um, being a hindrance to people birthing their promises. But I love Hannah's reaction. Instead of getting offended... And saying, well, even the pastor doesn't understand. I'm never coming back. Which she could have done. She could have been like, I've had it up to here. Nobody understands me. I'm never coming back to this place. Never coming to this church ever again. That pastor was so rude to me. He completely misunderstood me. She could have done that. But instead, she humbled herself and said, no, no. And, and just stayed there and persevered. And then Eli saw her and he blessed her and he, he um, declared the promise that she'd be pregnant. And she went away rejoicing. When she had the baby, she then came back, brought it to him. And he was instrumental in seeing Samuel released into ministry. Sometimes we cut off relationships too quickly. We think, well, they offended me. They misunderstood me. They were mean. Bang, close the door. I used to be an expert at cutting off relationships. Bang, they hurt me. Dangerous person. They'd get put in the dangerous person box. But, you know, God sometimes has divine appointments behind walls of offense. And we've got to be careful to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I, you know, I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to explain myself. My old mentor, Pastor Jim, has gone to be with the Lord now. He used to say, Catherine, never explain. Your friends don't need an explanation and your enemies will never accept one. <laughs> I thought, good on you. And that stuck with me. You know, when you are walking with the Lord, you don't need, you don't need to defend yourself. He will take care of you. Hallelujah. You don't need to fight flesh and blood. You don't need to justify yourself. 
Just continue to humble yourself and walk in love, walk in joy, walk in peace, stay in relationship, continue just to press in, keep your eyes focused. Rather than being tempted to get drawn away with with this temptation or that temptation, keep your eyes on the one who is faithful. Um, Determine in your heart not to compromise, not to give up, but to believe what the Lord has said, what the Lord has promised, and hold fast to it. You know, I believe if you don't quit, you win. And if you don't change the subject, you see the fruit. I've seen so many people over my, over my years of ministry say, I want to see the sick healed. Pray for a couple of people and then decide, ah, it's not for me. But if you would press in, I mean, I, Heidi Baker prayed for like 100 people who were deaf before she saw any healed. Praise God that didn't have to happen for me. But, you know, I believe in the power of perseverance. And if you will continue to press in and say, Lord, this is what I believe. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to settle for something less. I'm going to continue to dream for more. I'm going to look to you and I'm going to believe for more because it is available. It's not only available, it is being made readily on offer. And he's saying, I've laid a banqueting table before you in the presence of your enemies. Get up and eat. Hallelujah. There's so much God's got for you. God's heart for you is to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask, hope, or imagine. That's a lot, because I can imagine a lot. I'm a very imaginative person. And God says, exceedingly above anything you could even come up with. Like, whoa. He says, it's all right. Pray for supernatural strength so you can handle the love that I want to pour into you so that you can handle what I want to do in your life because it's beyond your capacity to emotionally be able to tolerate. Hallelujah. (sighs) The invitation into supernatural life is very, very real. He doesn't come into our lives to make our lives a bit better. He comes to bring divine exchange. We give him our life, he, give him, he gives us his. Now he prays, his, his heart desire is that you would know what you have. You would know the hope of your calling, that you would actually know the treasure that is on the inside of you. Hallelujah. That you would be the just who walk by faith, who actually deliberately declare every day, I am righteous, I am clean, not by my works, but by the grace of God. I have the nature and character of God. I have the mind of Christ. I have the motives of Christ. That daily we would remind ourselves, we would look in the mirror of his face and say, that's who you are. And thank you by your great grace. My life has been hidden in you. My sins are forgiven. I have been transformed. I am a new creation in Christ. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Now let's think about what does that look like? You know, a lot of people mentally assent to this truth. But I believe we're coming into a time where we are actually going to see it walked out on the earth. The earth has been groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God, that those ones who would actually manifest what they technically believe. And it's here. Ah, It's here. We're seeing it start to happen actually deliberately start to release it in the earth by faith because the righteous are as bold as lions. If we would actually walk this righteousness out in faith, 
deliberately believing I am the just and I walk by faith in him. I'm not just because of, because of the way I've behaved or because of what I've earned. I'm just because I've exchanged my sin for his forgiveness. I've exchanged my life for his life. Therefore, I believe what was done on the cross, that my life was taken. I have been buried with Christ, raised up with him. I was crucified with him, buried with him, raised up with him. Now I am seated with him in heavenly places. And my divine destiny is to manifest the fullness of who he is on the earth. Jesus had three years. He was so excited because you got to have a whole lifetime of manifesting him. I want to say to you tonight, I really believe the spirit of God is not wanting us to settle. It's easy to get too busy to actually realize that your life is called to be glorious. He says, arise, shine. Arise, shine, not get on with life and just, you know, live it out. He says, arise and shine. God has so much more for us. We have settled, I believe, and conformed to the pattern of the world in so much of our thinking that we sometimes don't even realize we're doing it. But I believe there's a Holy Ghost Holy fire bomb dropping on the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Burning up the enemies of God, which are the lies that would try to keep the church in bondage. I believe it's here. Can you feel it? It's the fire of God. Hallelujah. And it's burning up the enemies of God, the enemies that have been trying to devour the true life of Christ that wants to come forth from you. Christ in you wants to see the whole earth covered with his glory. Christ in you has big dreams. Hallelujah. That every person you meet would see the love of God. They would manifest it. They would feel it. They would experience it. Hallelujah. Whatever circumstance you're in, God wants to jump out and touch people. Hallelujah.